Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third-tier markets to large 100-plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. This podcast is a unique podcast. The reason it's unique, we are trying to record it on video to put it up on YouTube. Um, we'll see how this works. <laughs> it may or may not make it. We'll see. You, you'll, you'll see. If it comes up on yeah. the Self-Storage Income YouTube channel, you check it out. If not, you'll know that we failed. So, <laughs> and and honestly, let's just throw this out there. If there's any uh, any video, like studio video, live stream gurus out there, would you please reach out to us? We could use the help. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh well, um, we've had a couple great guests on our podcast, and we have some more coming up. Uh, so next week, we are recording an episode with Live Oak Bank which I'm very excited about to talk about um, the financing part, self-storage, what they're seeing. They um, focus really a lot on self-storage and they're all over the United States. It's actually funny because they reached out to me, speaking of YouTube, and um, they're like, hey, we noticed you mentioned in one of our videos a name that we were in Select Market. I had actually mixed up their name with somebody else in one of their videos. So my apologize to them. And I was like, you know what? Why did you're right? That was somebody else. And for some reason I switched that over. So I'm like, ah, just have you come on the podcast. Yeah, let's really set the record straight here. Exactly. And have you guys on. And it and our podcast is um much, 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 much bigger than anything we put on YouTube. So yeah. <laughs> like that should be okay. But For I'm sure. really excited to have them on. You guys are gonna love that uh episode. Um, they are very, um, engaged in the self-storage industry, have been for a long time. Uh, so that should be awesome. Uh, but today we wanted to focus on, I don't want to say the basics, uh, uh, but I really want to dive into some of the pros and cons, um, of self-storage and I want to list them out. Now, uh, I have, uh, been in some online, um, I wouldn't say battles, but interesting conversations on public forums. Um, and I had some people that, uh, were arguing certain points. And one of the points that they were arguing was that, uh, self-storage was a more secure asset, um, than some other types of assets. And I'll, I'll get into it, but my preference or my, my point was, you know, this is really how you look at these assets, how their revenues are derived. And it, that comes down to what you believe in is, is secure. And, um, the point was in the comparison to this asset class was, I, I didn't believe that was true. Um, it's not even that I don't believe that it was true. The data didn't support that that was true at all. And this is important. You don't have to make something everything. 
right? Like just because there some asset classes may have some things that are better than storage, that doesn't at all mean that you shouldn't be investing in this asset class. Obviously, it's where all my wealth and income and everything else comes from. Um, and I have a book about it. We have the largest podcast. I mean, I am the number one self-storage fan. Um, so <laughs> I, it, it was strange to me that um, they couldn't even see past or see these facts. And I, I think this is common with um, newer investors. Um, I think they want to pick something that can be that golden idol or golden goose. And that to me is scary because what it does is it puts you in a frame of mind where it's the safest or the best thing out here. It can't fail. And the moment you do that, you're, you're absolutely leaving yourself exposures to fail. And whenever I hear anybody that is trying to get money or they're out there pitching their investment ideas and they're just like, you know what, this asset class is basically recession proof. Um, that makes me very nervous. Um, I think that's trying to overshadow their understanding or flaws to of the asset class or even them to reassure people that, listen, it's going to be okay, so don't worry about it. Well, that's kind of the thing. And we've talked about this a little bit when, when we're talking about financing things. In uh, one of the recent podcasts, we talked about uh, approaching banks and those conversations that take place um, to secure financing and and you being open and upfront and saying, okay, this is how this can fail. And yes. when you're avoiding that issue, when you're saying there's no way this can fail, that's not, that's definitely no, not a good that, sign. That's not a good sign at all. And two, um, first of all, that's not true with any asset. There is no asset that is recession proof um, that doesn't exist because that would insinuate that you know how all the recessions are going to happen and where they're going to come from and what assets they're going to affect and how that's all going to work. It just, that just doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. Um, so the first thing that I want to talk about is, yeah, we're going to talk about pros and cons. And some of the cons though of self-storage is what makes self-storage great. And when I hear people where, when I say that to people, they're like, oh, hold on. So you're saying the bad sides of it is why you like it. And, um, there is, and we're going to get into some of those downsides and why I like it. And, uh, but also downsides that, uh, uh, you should know as an investor, um, I'm in self-storage for the long haul. Um, but that does not mean that the world can't change. That does not mean that markets will change. That doesn't mean the consumers won't change. And I think I have been successful, um, our investors, our family, people have been as successful to the fact that we realize that and that I realize I need to be aware of that. I need to make sure I'm keeping a very close pulse on the market to understand what's going on. And because of that, we've stayed ahead of trends. We've stayed ahead of technology. We're being forefront. We're moving forward. And I'm trying to create the future as opposed to just thinking the future is rainbow and lollipops. We have concerns in certain areas of our business. We have concerns of automation and how that might affect um, the proximity of customers needing to be by the storage facility, not in automation of a storage facility, but uh, driverless cars, things like that. There's things that we don't know how the economy will digest this or consumers will. Right. So I always preface this 
conversation with nothing is steadfast, um, but we want to go over this investment type and talk about the pros and cons. Um, I always have to say that, especially before I talk about these numbers, because once you hear the numbers, everybody's like, holy cow, this thing can't fail or can't stop. Uh, so <laughs> the one, cash cow. The discussion. cash cow. Yeah. Exactly. So I, to give context, let's compare self-storage performance in uh, 1994 to 2017. Um, this is the probably the most accurate timing and spread of data that we have. The reason why I wanted to focus on some of these data is be, uh, some of this data is because um, I put a post on Instagram, um, AJ Osborne. Uh, it, was a, it was from the Financial Times, but um, showing I can't remember where it's from. But if you follow me on Instagram, you would have saw it. Uh, the performance of um, self storage REITs um, were outperforming in in this latest market turn. Um, a lot of the other REITs and, and how that's gone. And I don't like snapshots of markets uh, because that's not how I think. That's not how I invest. That's not what we work on or focus on. We don't flip. Um, we don't. Uh, it, that's Those are just dangerous games. So I wanted to give a wider context that encompassed multiple recessions, um, but yet is close enough to be relevant. So one of the things you got to remember during this time, 1994 to 2007, a lot has happened. Um, it was a crazy time. Um, and you know, God bless the nineties. I, I am definitely a nineties <laughs> child. That's a picture. I should post oh, a picture man. of me in the nineties. Like it's, it's the picture that, you know, the kids make fun of. And I'm like, I'm not even old and your kids are already making fun of me for how I dressed when I, but I was the epitome of a nineties child. Well, it is kind of crazy. Even looking back at child. like early two thousands, even, you know, like yeah. how, and just how drastic it, the changes have oh, been over the past 20 years. Crazy. It's like what the heck, yeah. man. Being a teenager going to college and everything through the nineties. Uh, and then the two thousands hit. And, wow. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> one of the, uh, so the, uh, Connor just pulled it up with that post. It was self storage REITs rate performance year to date. Um, that's important. And it, they're up 4.12% in comparison at the snapshot, which was what, three days ago or something? Yeah. 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 yeah the Dow Jones was down 4%. Um, the MSCI uh, uh, US REIT index was down 16%, and oil was down 40%, and self storage uh, was up. So, that was the uh, the post, and I, I try to post some of this to give context to our industry and what's happening. Um, but when we look over this large time frame with multiple recessions, lots of different things, multiple presidencies, administrations, um, we see self storage performed a rate of return um, as far as the REITs go of seventeen point four three percent. Let's give some some comparison to this in that same time um, office REITs performed 13.26% um, retail 12.75% industrial 13% um, residential 13% apartments 13 and, and I'm rounding here in the 13s. It's, it's, you know, minimal differences. Um, manufacture homes were the lowest of the 13s at 13.2, and then the S&P at 7.5. Um, these are things that a lot of people point to in pros. They point to the assets performance because it's obviously a pro. Uh, 
this context can be taken a little out of whack. And although I know and I understand that investing, we look in the rearview mirror to project the future, um, I want to give some thoughts on these performance and so everyone can understand it because you need to be ready and moving forward and how you're going to act. Um, first of all, can we just talk how retail performed 12%? I don't even know how that's possible. I didn't think they performed anything anymore. <laughs> But it's amazing. Wow, that's really high. Maybe they're talking about retail after we buy them and turn them into storage facilities. That's their performance. That's got it. So we just need to add 12 additional percent (laughs) to storage, right? (laughs) Exactly. That just goes on top of it. If you're a retail investor, I'm sorry. I didn't didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Uh, But the uh, S&P at a 7%. Now, this has been a great run for storage. But you have to remember that when we started investing in storage, um, this was in the early 2000s. And we were negotiating cap rates of 9 to 12%. Like, I, I think I remember us buying at a 9.5 cap, and I was like, oh, geez, we're going to regret this buy. <laughs> like, it was like, I can't believe this. And then we were putting offers on the table where people were like, I want a 10 cap. Like, eh, we'll give you a 12 cap. Take it or leave it. Um, and these weren't in first tier. I'm not talking LA, obviously that's totally different. These were in, uh, more rural third tier markets, but that's gone. Like that doesn't happen. And these, these were not, these, when I say rural third tier markets, I mean, these were growing cities. These, these were still good cities, cities that today you have the same assets that are trading at six caps, literally half of what we were buying them for. Um, now that didn't happen all the time. And obviously, if you had a Class A asset, but it did not trade anywhere near where apartments, office, or retail um, traded. So you also need to understand that in the 90s and early 2000s, this asset's performance, when you take in these large, widespread period of time, you're also including REITs that have been buying and building on land that was either considered useless or what they just had it good for a long time because self-storage is so new. You have to account for those large spreads and cash flow within that. Then you also have to account for the massive raise in rates, the higher demands that have come from those assets in this period of time. Um, not saying that it can't continue. I'm saying it would it would be silly for us, though, to assume that the performance that brought in the 90s, the early 2000s of self-storage will continue and not mirror closer to office, retail, industrial, residential, and apartments, uh, simply because of the price you're buying at it. And two, self-storage operators, we're getting good. We're maxing out our facilities, right? Well, and building out additional infrastructures and to continue yes, to do that. We have yeah. finance now that will allow people to um, to not just – finance banks, when we got into the game, you know, it's not that they wouldn't, but it – no, actually, we had banks that wouldn't. They literally told us <laughs> some of the largest banks, like, we don't invest in self-storage. Um that, you know, it's all changed. Self-storage is a different game. And um, our camera shut down. That's it. That's it for the YouTube. So goodbye, everybody. We're, we're done on the YouTube channel. There it channel. is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's calling it quits. That was 
that was our trial. <laughs> uh, just over 15 minutes, maybe just That's about right. 15 minutes long. Once again, if nice. there's yeah. anybody that uh, can help us out on that. Yeah. Uh, so let's get back to the numbers and, and, and the data. I, I want to preference that to give context. Okay. Um, I'm not saying that self-storage will not outperform all these other real estate asset classes because I strongly believe that it will. But if you're looking at an average here of 13%, maybe, not even, maybe maybe it's more like 12%, and a spread of 12 to 17%, I think that's going to be coming closer. I, I think it's going to be dropping down. So um, that's when we look at the overall performance. And I want to give context before we dive into the pros and cons. Now, the reasons that I think this asset will continue to perform better than all these other asset classes. Um, there's a few reasons. First of all, the amount of inventory, and I've said this a lot, this is the probably the biggest pro to self-storage, is inventory available to uh, obtain. There's still a majority of mom and pops in this industry. That's changing, but it still exists. The vast majority uh, are mom and pops. And there's way more than office, retail, um, industrial uh, apartments, the other, the uh, other um, uh, larger assets, commercial assets. Now, when we look at the other, the only other one that I think may come close is uh, manufactured homes, um, and that 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 is still a fairly fragmented market, and that has a lot to do with the the financing structure and how that works. Which I'm not going to talk about that on there. Maybe we'll bring Brandon Turner on, have him talk. He's the manufactured home guy and he can he can talk on that we can discuss yeah, the, because go. they're very similar assets uh classes and in how institutions view them uh operationally they're much more uh, ours is much more like retail or hotels the pros though to this consolidation is you can take advantage of it um when you look at such low cap rates on multifamily right now and you look at who's in the game and how they're getting their deals it is Fierce. Now, I'm not saying self-storage isn't fierce. Every single asset right now, we have a federal government that is just dumping money. The government's handing money out. Money's cheap and free. Everyone's worried about inflation. People are buying things like crazy. Everything is hard right now. I mean, it's it's not then I, it's easy. I don't want to preference that. If you think it's just going to be easy and pick it up, that's not how it works. But in comparison, if I'm looking to go pick up a um, 500 unit self-storage compared to an apartment apartment building, um, I'm not going to pay the same cap rate. And I think you have more upside in self-storage than you do downside, uh, than you do in apartment buildings. And why I think that is because there are more mom and pops that operationally can improve. So you can buy those mom and pops, improve the operations and get a higher return more than you can in multifamily because multifamily is more generated on the market, right? They all trade roughly the same. So a two bedroom, one bathroom house, if they're all, if there's an intersection you have on the four corners, apartment buildings, all similar types and likes, right? They're all basically going to be relatively the exact same. Well, in markets like what we have here in the Boise area too, where, I mean, you can go in and you can renovate, you can make things nice, but even you know, after, you know, ARV, you're, you're just, the price that people are paying for their 
apartments is already maxed out. Yeah. You know, there's not a huge spread that you're going to get. Whereas, and like prices saying, are so high. Exactly. That you're paying. You're, it's like you're yeah. you're paying for that built-in uh, um, uh, cash flow increase. Right. And um, now, once again, I'm not pretending that I'm a multifamily guy. I'm not. So obviously I'm biased. We all have to remember this. <laughs> but these numbers are not. And right. the numbers that we're seeing from storage. Uh, I'm talking about the pros. We're going to get into the cons. Um, other pros to self-storage. Uh, and just to touch on what you were talking about, uh, kind of the consolidation of the market. Uh, it is about 70, 80% mom and pop still. That's so, huge. Yeah. It's a massive portion of that. So when we look at the, um, the, the, when I, let's preference this because I, I want to talk about pros, but I'm having a hard time because some people see them as cons. There's in self-storage, we have a unifying pro and con operations. Um, there's this weird period of time where people said, you don't have to do anything. That's why I love them. And I always paused and I was like, do you own any? Because I would love to buy them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think the reason why that took hold was because there, for a long time, that's exactly what it was. You build it and they will come. You buy it. You just walk away. It doesn't even matter. You just sat there and it just kind of made, because you're buying them at nine calves. It cash flowed great, right? And you just wanted it minimized. And th those times are not here. Those times are gone. We focus on operations where you compete. Um, but luckily, it's not crazy. You're not buying, you're buying a business, but it is, I don't want to say simplified business, but all the technical aspects, like we've talked about everything from, you know, Tenant Inc. And we've talked uh, everything about store local. And we've talked um, about Radius. We talked about all these vendors. And if you're a vendor listening to this and you would like me to know more and stuff. Once again, please call us. We, we love to know more about what's happening in the self-storage world. But the point being is you can farm most of these things out and manage. And now there's third-party management that you can farm out and hand to. Um, so it's not that it's not doable or anything like that. In fact, I think that it's way easier for the growth you get than a lot of asset classes, but uh, it isn't just throw it up and walk away. Um, we're the true con with self-storage is self-storage. I've said it a million times. Talk, talk about it in my book. Uh, the more self-storage there is, the more competitive we come. We're seeing this all over the nation. Uh, the more important operations are. And if you build one up and you think that, you know, you don't have to do anything and you have four other guys that are building 100,000 square foot facilities in a three mile radius, you are in for a rude awakening. Or other guys that have been operating for 10 years. Yeah, that 10 years. Exactly. Way better facility and operations too. And they know what they're doing. Right. So, um, and I'm, I don't mean this to discourage anybody because that's not it. Once again, it's still, to me, the best asset you could ever buy in commercial. Because that con is also this operations. That is the, the plus side about it. You have assets that aren't doing anything. Mom and paps that aren't doing anything with their facility. And the simplest things that you put into it make huge change. And once again, that's why we have this podcast, right? So we're talking about these things. So you guys are aware of it. Um, but one of the true cons that I think that... It's it's not that I it's not that it's necessarily a, a terrible con as long as it's done right. Is just the oversupplied markets. It seems like in this latest building phase, um, 
we're seeing a lot of markets that are rapidly exploding. Uh, if they're, you know, we all know they're building them on every corner, but then I go to other markets and there's not, they're not building anything. Um, self-storage is hyper local. This is a good thing. So if I go to a city, um, let's say Seattle or let's say Boise, or let's say I'm obviously from the Northwest, uh, <laughs> let's say Atlanta, uh, and, yeah, there we go. and you have apartment buildings, right? You, you look at the apartment buildings over the whole entire city. So if I'm going to go live there and I want to rent an apartment, well, let's compare, oh, this, well, there's in the South end, there's this, and maybe on the East side, there's these, and this may be a better location, right? So you're comparing this. That's not how storage works. You get almost everyone out of a three mile radius. The people live there. Um, that is a really good thing because that means in even overbuilt markets, there are pockets where there's opportunity. Um, but if you start building just apartments, nice apartments everywhere, all over the city, the entire city can get saturated very, very quickly, um, even in large cities. But if you look at cities across the um, southeast, the northwest um, that are booming, places like Texas – um, with, uh, development and you see pressures in localized areas. Um, a perfect example is the valley where we live in, in Boise. One end of the valley, you have 30 square feet per capita, but then you have a pocket of the valley that has eight square feet per capita. Um, obviously prices follow that. The part that has 30 square feet per capita, um, your rental rates are dropping, right? Vacancies are rising. The other side, they're still going up. You got a 3% you know, growth every year. Um, so you need to look hyper-local. But I still think a con, I don't know why it is, but self-storage seems to overbuild much easier. Maybe it's just this time in the cycle. Uh, that, that, to me, is a definite con and something you need to look at. Demand, demand, demand. Um, moving on. Uh, pros to self-storage, operationally speaking, is you need one manager, but the operational cost tend to eat up much less, right? I think CapEx, things like that, of the asset, which creates high cash flow and high margins. So that's why I enjoy buying underperforming facilities because I'm buying it with a locked-in expense ratio, right? So if I come in and I say, this is the expenses, I don't just say, well, you say you have 20% expenses. Great, I'll buy it at that. No, that's not how it works. If I'm operating it, I'm operating it off our expense ratio, which depends on location, things like that. But let's just say average 35%. Um, I'm locking it in at that expense ratio. And then all the improvements that we do um, to revenue that comes into our pocket. And it's very easy to identify major capital expenditures. And we don't get lots of surprises. It just doesn't happen, right? They're just concrete boxes. Those are definite pros. Um the cons uh, to that, though, the operations, you have more movement in storage facilities. Once again, that con, though, to me, is a pro. So there's huge pros and there are cons. And, and I think it's important that we talk about them. And there are people that they're not really into self-storage. And I think one of the biggest cons is this. The revenue percentage of the asset is much lower. Um so if you, for the, the utilization of square footage, right? So if I had 100,000 square feet of apartment buildings, the revenue per square foot is much higher than a storage facility, right? So if you get a 10% increase in apartment buildings, 
right? Your revenue per square foot, that's that's just a big windfall. That's that's a large amount of revenue coming out of that asset. And uh, apartment buildings, for example, have long-term cre- uh, contracts. Now, I don't want long-term contracts in storage. That that actually, to me, is, is a negative thing. But it is more secure. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Banks look at it. Everybody looks at it and says, I can tell you have a certain amount uh, of time where your income is guaranteed. And if it defaults, you have repercussions and you can go after modern owner. Uh, but then on the flip side of that, the pro to self storage is I can evict people quick. I don't got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things. Um, but it's just less revenue. It's less revenue coming out of those assets than bigger, uh, not, not, not even bigger, just, um, these different types of assets like apartment buildings. And so when you're looking at your increase, your increase in revenue, not be very much. Um, my, I guess my fundamental problem that I have when people talk about that is I'm like, yeah, but I'm just looking for a return on my money. So the returns to me is what's important, right? So you have to compensate with that increased revenue with the amount down. Anyways, um, these are kind of the conversations that I have when we look at assets and when we started out. These are really important conversations to have. Um, self-storage isn't perfect. Um, I still think it's the, you know, the best. And there's lots of reasons that I'm in it. But the cons are important to identify so I don't get into trouble. For so sure. We don't have a situation where our assets aren't performing as well. Because that is definitely true. Asset performance varies widely in self-storage. Um, if you took a city and took all of the self-storage facilities you know, in that city. Um, if you could see all their information, you'd be surprised how much they vary. Um, and that's largely based upon operator and other factors, which may be, uh, you know, location, things like that. Um, so. Well, it's even more and more important to focus on these things and to be asking these questions as the market continues to consolidate and there are better operators out there and the competition's a lot stronger. Yes. Definitely. Definitely critical. Yeah. You, you need to know who you're competing against. You need to know what they're doing. Um, this will all make you a better operator, a better invis- uh, a better investor, and a, uh, a, a much better manager of your business. And when I look at the cons, um, I say, these are problems for me to solve. And... Uh, when you get into a situation like, uh, you know, this person I was having this discussion with where they didn't want to recognize these cons, um, I think it's probably because they were selling something. Or I don't know. but So they were just 100% all in storage. Like it's the be yeah, all, end just, all. It is. Yeah. And it, they f- refuse to kind of admit certain risks and everything. Like it basically it's recession proof. Um, and it was, you know, kind of build it. They will come to anything. And, and I just uh, – I dis- don't, don't agree with that. So understanding the cons of your storage facility, um, your location, those are more important to me than the pros. Pros are easy, right? And two, for some reason, our brain works like that. When I when, when you build out a performa of a storage facility you're building, you, you always build out this great performa. Right? Everybody brings it out. It's like, of course, you're going to hit all those. You're going to be the top <laughs> performer in the market. Um, and then there's just very little put onto the cons. Um, I would be way more impressed with someone that said, listen, here's the fundamentals of the area. 
here's the cost, here's our strategy, um, and here's how we are going to beat our competition, or here's how we're going to overcome the cons, and here's how we're positioned better to deal with these cons. Um, that's a real conversation. And I want to talk about fill-up rates. I want to talk about what happens when your competitor moves in. I've had conversations with people and they've said, you know, well, uh, you know, listen, this is great. There's this much square foot per capita, things like that. I said, okay, perfect. Well, let me look at it. I said, well, what about the 150,000 square feet coming in the two mile radius um, that will be there in two years? They didn't even know it was permitted. They were building within the next two months, 150,000 square foot facility. And so, um, that all of a sudden changes things, right? Obviously, you got to look. Now, is the square footage, can we handle that? Um, which that doesn't mean that you shouldn't buy it. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't build it. If you're aware of the cons and you can tackle them and you have a plan, you understand it, um, and you understand how that's going to affect your local market. So with that said, um, I hope that gives you kind of an idea. And we're, we're just talking through a lot of these things, Right. We're talking through about identifying. When you get into cons, you can get much more detailed. We can talk about the cons of bad managers, the cons of um, badly executed um, marketing strategies, the cons of using certain marketing uh, uh, dollars and marketing in certain ways that aren't right. Operationally, we can talk about cons. Building, we can talk about cons. We can talk about uh, cons when people build the office inside the gates instead of outside the gates. We just bought a facility like that, and we're having to redo it. So we'll <laughs> that was the like, first why? thing I saw too. I was like, "Dang, why? Why did you do that?" Uh, uh, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Exactly. So. Um, there are, uh, execution cons that you need to be aware of. And these are things that I'm very critical of. So when I'm entering a new market, how are we going to execute on this facility? How do we know what we think we know is true and who are going to perform these things? So before we've been talking about the industry as a whole, but then you need to dive in and say, what are my pros and cons to execute on this plan? Um, at the end of the day, the person doing it is how it's going to happen, how it's going to perform. And so when I look at um, our business and when I look at our team and our structure, I look at the cons and say, where are we weak and how do we fill in these gaps? And um, it's really important to fix these feedback loops fast and create systems and strategies around them so you can execute faster and better. Um, it's way easier to take more time to do it right than to mess up, try to fix it and be scrambling and headed backwards um, and then be discouraged and try to move forward. So uh, once again, look at the industry as a whole, look at self-storage, pros and cons to it, everything from how we move people out, how we kick people out, um, the outlook going forward, uh, the economics of storage is a huge pro to me. Uh, the fact that consumerism has only gotten easier. Um, we have access to more Real estate's getting more. We have a dispersed workforce. We have smaller businesses popping up from online while office and um, retail. retail and uh, you know homes. These are getting more expensive. These are not nearly as viable. And these business models have shaken. This all bodes well for self-storage. One of the things, though, that you need to ask yourself and you need to remember, though, um, that bodes well as far as people say, 
I want to be in self-storage. And I have this argument a lot. Does that mean, and, and so people want to get into it because of, well, office isn't good. Retail isn't good or uh, apartments are too expensive. Um, so self-storage is a much better asset class. And I, okay, well, I don't care what you think because you're just talking about a return that you want on an investment. Um, what does the customer thinks? Is this a better, like, is there a lot of demand, right? You're talking about demand for assets, not use of assets. Look at the other way around. And that's when we get into overbuilt markets. They're so focused on the asset. Oh, this is wonderful that they forget to look at your customer. You forget to look at the person you're serving. Like the key. Like, do you, <laughs> they have demand? Is there demand yeah. here? Did they want this? I know you want a great asset with a great return, but do they want to use that asset? Um, so change your thinking around that. Take off maybe the investor's hat and put on the consumer's hat and start to look at the numbers and what they mean um, so you can avoid some of those cons. Anyways, I, you know, these are just some thoughts I've been having once again after that discussion and when we've been looking over these numbers and this self-storage assets performance and after I post about it and got some things like fire, this is why this is great, things like that. I go, I don't want to be the overhyped person. We need to be real about this because the idea is not to get people to invest in self-storage to just to invest in self-storage. The idea is to buy, build, create great performing assets that can um, serve a marketplace well, do it as efficiently as best as possible, and get a great return for you, your investors, and create financial freedom. Um, it's a weighing thing. It has to be balanced. So, for anyways. sure. Well, and the only way to do that is to acknowledge the pros and the cons. Exactly. Equally. I like it, man. Well, um, two guys, follow us on Instagram. Um, the we've been running a bunch of these specials and everything. We're still getting back to everybody having calls and stuff. Um, I can't tell you how awesome it's been. Um, and thank you guys for all your patience. Um, it really means a lot. Uh, and you know, we're, we're having, we just have so much going on. We have new hires that you guys have probably heard of or talked to, especially after doing our first, um, deal that we syndicated and, and had uh, Kaylee, who's our investor relations and starting our wholesale business. We're trying to drive more deals, which we were excited to talk to you guys about that too. Um, and this book, the content trying to get YouTube out. We'll see how good and good we do about that. But uh, some 15 minute videos. Uh, we'll for you figure out how end. to work a camera. We'll, we'll do it. We're, we're yeah. really technical. Did um, you want to talk about the, uh, speaking deal you got going on too? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I don't know when this is going to come out, but this week, um, I'm speaking at the, um, Pacific Northwest, big, badass virtual real estate conference. It's a mouthful. Um, I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be awesome. Robert Kiyosaki speaking there. The bigger pockets people are going to be there. Brandon Turner is going to be there. We have tons of investors, people that we've had on our cash flow to freedom podcast, which you guys have to go listen to it. Um, and it should be awesome. I'm doing obviously representing self storage and, um, I'm excited to do it. Excited to tell about how this all works. I have a 45 minute presentation where I'm going to dive every into everything. So if you guys can make it go, it's going to be great. It's not just me. It's all of these different asset types we're talking about. Uh, I think Brandon Turner's talking about mobile homes. We have, um, uh, flippers, we have wholesalers, value add investors, multifamily. I mean, it's just, they, they cover everything. It's the, they have 4,000, I think attendees. It's just crazy. Holy it's smokes. absolutely crazy. They're, yeah. they're blowing this thing out of the water. The amount of value they're putting out. It's huge. 
I hope the value that we're putting out for everybody is huge. What you guys are doing, giving us a five star and a good review and ranking, uh, giving us a five star and a good review on Amazon on the book. Literally that, that helps us out so much. And we're very grateful for, uh, you guys doing that, um, and support. And that's why we try to get back with tools on the site, um, and even a call and we keep putting out this content. We'll do more on uh, YouTube. And once again, though, day-to-day stuff, check out Instagram. I'm posted on that. I'll post our, I post our facilities trends, um, what we're doing. So it's more up to date than a lot of these other avenues, but thanks everybody. For sure. We'll catch you guys next time.